This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, Carm Capriato, the Service Aftermarket's podcast pioneer. Join me each week for aftermarket insights from my guest host and an industry first, a virtual shop tour. Use the industry's premier podcast as your personal networking resource. And as always, know that you'll learn one thing. The video for this show is on the Aftermarket Weekly page on RemarkableResults.biz or on my YouTube channel. Hey, welcome. Remarkable Results Radio. Carm Capriato, good to have you here. Here's a thought for you from the aisle seat. You know, recently on a podcast with Coach Dave Shadeen, he mentioned tangible mechanism. I quickly put those two words together and thought about shaping ideas into real actions. I thought that a tangible mechanism can be something you create from your ideas. Yes, an idea is intangible, but it need not be. Now stick with me on this. I thought of bricks, lumber, steel, and concrete. You can build a house or building with these products. So why not consider ideas as building blocks of bricks, lumber, etc.? When I look at just the past week of podcasts we produce and the hundreds of ideas that are generated for you, I would fill up a yellow pad of ideas to be implemented to take my life and my business to the next level. Where will you find the discipline to be an implementer of the ideas or changes you need to make in your company so you can grow customer relationships and experience, hire, pay, and retain your people, improve your processes and systems, and build stronger profits. That discipline can be found in humility and your leadership capabilities. Author Jim Collins wrote about tangible mechanisms in his book, Built to Last. Here's a short passage. To be sure, a highly visionary company does have these, but it also has concrete, tangible mechanisms to preserve the core ideology and to stimulate progress. Tangible, concrete, Specific, solid, he says. Look inside a visionary company and you'll see a ticking, banging, humming, buzzing, whirling, clicking, clattering clock. You'll see tangible manifestations of its core ideology and drive for progress everywhere. Intentions are all fine and good, but it is the translation of those interventions into concrete items, mechanisms with teeth that can make the difference between becoming a visionary company or forever remaining a wannabe. End quote. Hey, look at the metaphors in the above quote from Jim Collins. Did any of them engage you? Make your ideas into tangible mechanisms and build a better business. Enjoy the episode. Nico Sugius, did I say that right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Sugius, Sugius, whichever. Yeah, Sugius. You've been on before, Nico, and I, I screwed it up the last time. I know that I'm positive when I had you on the show before. That's all right. Good morning. Yeah, same to you, my friend, out in California. I'm on the East Coast. We're waiting for some really neat winter weather to hit us here. And I'm sure down in the San Diego area, which I've been to once now in my life, what a beautiful area. Yeah, no, definitely. It's nice. Right now, it is it is unseasonably cold. We have to work through the 40-degree temps right now. We don't have heaters or anything, so it's chilly in the morning. But, you know, it's but it's not that bad. It gets up to, like, in the 50s. Hey, we're coming to you live from the Dorman OE Fix Studios. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Dorman, for your continued sponsorship in all of 2022 and in 2023. Knuckles. We all know our important connection points between the wheel and the vehicle suspension, connecting hubs, bearings, calipers, struts, and control arms. 
Steering and suspension knuckles often need replacement after collisions, curb strikes, or rust-related issues, and bearings can simply wear out, often after 75,000 miles. Unfortunately, when it comes time to replace a knuckle or a press-in bearing, there's often rust. That can result in hours of labor that require a shop press and risks potentially damaging the knuckle or backing plate. Dorman has created a time-saving solution with their loaded knuckles. These knuckles are complete assemblies that are tech-preferred. They are an easy bolt-on solution for difficult bearing and knuckle replacements that save significant time and money for you and your customer. Hey, want to know more about Dorman? Visit dormanproducts.com slash tour. Hey, thanks again, Dorman. Nico, look, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. And then, of course, we have your video tour here at the end of the show. A couple of things. You are doing so many incredible videos. I actually got on your site and I was watching a bunch of them. You're, you're mild-mannered. You're calm. You have a soothing presence as you are talking to your customers about stuff. And it's these, I love the pre-education. The air conditioning one was, listen, here's how you can test if you feel like you're warm and you should be cold. And here's how it all works. And we're going to put on this machine, come in and we'll see if you need anything. But legitimately, you're showing and explaining why you have the capabilities and the equipment to do the job. And yeah, it may cost some money, but we can get you right. People just want really good explanations. So what I find myself explaining like over the phone, like over and over again, somebody calls and says, Hey, my AC doesn't work. And then you explain an AC service. And then it's like, so just explain an AC service and make a video out of it and just kind of get into like, you know, the real topical stuff about like how AC refrigerant works. You don't want to get into like the super technical stuff because you'll lose the average person, but you want to be able to like explain the entire thing from A to Z. And I usually try to time myself. I usually give myself like a 60 set. Whenever you're explaining anything technical to the world of your audience, which is the world of non-technical people, you want to give yourself like a time limit of like 60 seconds. You got to do it all in 60 seconds, which is really difficult to do because you can get, you can go off on this curve over here. And all you're doing is talking about like the high pressure side of the AC and you go on for two or three minutes, it's like, no, 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 don't do that. It's kind of like what I'm doing right now. You know, it's like you start rambling on about high side and all that, but I'm explaining how you do it. We go down rabbit holes sometimes. Why? A couple of things. Either we want to prove to the rest of the world that we really know our stuff, or you have to explain it in detail because that's how you're wired. What your point here to anyone who wants to make a video like this and get it up and out there, I mean, you've got, what, 3,000 followers? It's incredible, is to keep it simple, stupid, K-I-S-S, right? Keep it simple. Let me share. Here's videos that I found. BMW wiper blades, air springs, noise from a differential, control arm bushings, correct spark plugs, variable valve timing. I mean, that could be a rabbit hole right there, could it? <laughs> Absolutely can be a rabbit hole. You mentioned control arm bushings. I just got my YouTube report from this year. That was the most watched video. I get like uh, 70,000 minutes viewed per month. And there is something like a couple, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands. It was like 700 or 800,000 minutes viewed over the year. The control arm bushing one was the most watched video which is the last one that I would have thought, you know, it's just like you start talking about control arm bushings and people want to know about them. Why do you think? I don't know. Maybe it's uh, people have like, we tagged it right. So like we got like shaking and vehicle vibrations and all that kind of stuff. And then people just started watching it. So if somebody 
YouTube's like, my car is vibrating. Usually that's like the alignment thing, right? People are like, oh, my car shakes. I need an alignment. That's not what they need. They don't need an alignment. If their car shakes, they need to fix, you know, why their tires are wearing or whatever. And so then, you know, we just kind of tagged it with that and just put it to control arm bushings and... And that's it. Incredible think here is to tag it right, get the SEO right. I would have never thought in a million years control arm bushings, but I think this is a great lesson for us to learn. You may think that the consumer doesn't want to know about it, but if it makes the car critically run right and it's something like a control bushing, do a video on it. Now, you've got great editing going on in your in your shows. I love the tightness. You probably made a 10-minute video and you tightened it to three or four minutes or less. And are you the one saying, I want to do this? Are you you're shipping it to someone in, in the shop saying, listen, leave this, leave this, take that out, take that out? How, how are you getting this down to final production? There's a fellow named Jax that works here, and he works here pretty much full-time now, basically four days a week. Five days, actually five days a week now. But anyways, uh, we do videos and I'm, I'm essentially just like more or less the producer and the actor. He's the editor. I may have a couple little things that I throw in, but he does most of all the editing a hundred percent. And like my whole thing is like, we just need to hit the video. You know, videos shouldn't be more than ideally you want to shoot for a 60 second video to like maybe a couple minutes, unless you get really into the weeds on something that you really want to explain and you really explain it very thoroughly, then you could do like a five-minute video. I would do less of those and more 60-second videos. Let me say this to the audience, to your fellow shop owners out there. Don't be bashful to make it a little choppy. And that edit, you know, when I watch something that's tightly edited, Nico, I know they did that out of respect for my time. And that makes me want to watch it longer because they took out the ums and the ands and the, hey, did you see that? And the lookaways and all that stuff so that you, actually you made fine wine out of a whole bunch of grapes. And like, it doesn't have to be super fine. It could be a choppy. I think people uh, like to have a, maybe a more choppier video, but definitely the audio quality has to be really good. The microphone has to be really good. I use... We use like the top of the line microphones uh, whenever we do anything. So it's like a wireless lapel. It's either a Sennheiser or uh, we used another one on another shoot, but the Sennheiser one's really good. They appreciate better audio, I think, because if you watch a video that has bad audio, like the worst thing is if you watch a video that you're looking for something and there's no audio and the person's like taking a screwdriver and he's like just showing you like taking screws out of something. And then like the next clip is another thing and there's no audio. To me, that's the worst video around. And wait a minute. That's that junk music that you hear on every video. I don't need a nursery rhyme video to a screwdriver movement. I just don't. Exactly. Like to just walk through it and just say, hey, I took all the screws out and that's it. And then move on to the next thing. Great points. Thank you so much for, if you will, going down the video rabbit hole because it engaged me. No doubt with the kind of views that you're getting, they are probably not, you know, the first 10 seconds of a video. If it says, oh, 68 seconds, a minute and a half, I'll stick with it, especially you're giving it to me. You're shooting at me hard and I can sense that in the video. It's just nothing but the facts, Jack, right? Exactly. And that's what people go to YouTube for. They don't go to YouTube to sit and watch like, a you know, eight minutes of a bunch of fluff. They want to hear everything that. And so, by the way, we do audio here and we do it really, really well. No nonsense, high quality content and audio. And so I 
I agree with you. Audio is re- really important. One of the things you wanted to talk about was the kind of work that's coming in now versus uh, pre-COVID, post and post and pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, you know, we were a shop. We have 17 bays. We did lots and lots of maintenance. We didn't do a lot of big jobs. And then COVID happened. And then in, in this area of the country, uh, we got really slow for a pretty long period of time, probably eight to 12 months. We were really slow. And if you kind of watching like other parts of the country, everybody else is like really busy. But San Diego was very, very shut down as California was really shut down, especially San Diego. It kept everybody kind of out of their cars and in inside. Then post COVID happened and there's this like blow up of work that's way bigger. People are definitely authorizing a lot more work. There's a ton more work to do on each car. I think if you kind of look at the big picture, it's like your ARO, whatever it was before, if it was 300, I think post-COVID, it should just be double. If it was 800, it should be 1600 now. You know, that's, that's I think, the, like the big, and maybe even in some cases, more than double, maybe two and a half times. Why was it so bad? I mean, the rest of the country, like you said, it only took a couple of months for it to come back with a vengeance. But why did it take California that long of a period of time? We were just shut down really heavy. And then it was like, at first it wasn't mask wearing and then there was mask wearing it. And, you know, it, and, you know, it's like you couldn't go to a restaurant, then the restaurant, the dining rooms were closed. So then they had to move outside and then there was masks and then there was just like more and more and more and more. Lots of other parts of the country had the same thing, but uh, some parts didn't have any. And everybody had like auto repair was like different in Florida than it was in California. It was different. It was just different everywhere. Now you're a Euro shop, right, Nico? Yeah, we're like 80% Euro, yeah. Were you doing more maintenance uh, pre-COVID? We were definitely doing more maintenance pre-COVID. And we were staying pretty busy. Now we're like two weeks out, which is like unheard of. Usually usually we're like two to three days out. That's probably the biggest challenge that we're having is just keeping our customers happy. The ones who've been coming here for years and years and years. And they expect when they get up, when they make a phone call to make an appointment or an email to make an appointment, uh, they expect to have an appointment in 72 hours or less usually. Now we're like, two weeks and they're like, what? They're like, no, 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 I'm going somewhere in two weeks. So we're having to like bind that together. And that's the tricky part. What does your 20 group that you belong to, what's the uh, the future think for 2023? Is it going to stay right where it is? Right now, we think that it's going to stay right where it is. We're just kind of monitoring uh, new car sales with now mixing in with the interest rates rising a lot, it would, the, the more the interest rates go up, the more people want to fix their old car also. So that's a whole other thing. So we're just kind of, it's like, hey, everybody's it's, everybody in my 20 group, their AROs have doubled at least. So it's like, you know, how do you just do that? That doesn't just happen out of the sky, you know? So it's like, it's definitely a US thing. I expect everyone's has just doubled. That's just what's happened. But 2023, we're expecting the same, yeah. And we all have to pay attention to the fact that the R word, recession, interest rates coming down. Uh, rumor has it housing prices are, are starting to move. Actually, they claim sometime in 2023, you'll actually be able to buy a car at sticker and then maybe further beyond that, less than sticker like it used to be. And for all of that reason, to motivate sales of vehicles, leases are getting a little 
outlandish, they say, and so leasing isn't happening as much. So we are in an extremely great place. We always have been as an industry because 70% of out-of-warranty work comes into the aftermarket, but yet we have to pay attention to that. We cannot sit on the sidelines and think it's going to be all you know flowers and roses forever. No, definitely not. You just you have to just take it how it's uh, how it's coming with a recession looming possible possibly. It's all auto repair is just going to get better and better, and then when the recession goes away, auto repair gets worse and worse. So it's like we're definitely recession proof as the economy gets really good. Auto repair kind of like sinks down a little bit, you know. So right now, a recession's good for auto repair. Question: With all this work you have, two weeks out. What have you done to manage your workflow? Anything special? A couple things. Um, the lead tech has now moved into more of a foreman position. We're still making, we're still planning out exactly what he's going to do, but he's now working like half time in the front and half time in the back, just helping everybody get work in and out the door. That's like a moving target because I don't know exactly what I want him to do. He doesn't really want to work on cars anymore. He's in his 50s. He's like, hey, and he's a very high producing person, right? He he works really hard. He's one of those guys that can easily get 60, 70 hours a week flat rate, like super easy. So, but he's getting tired. He doesn't want to do that anymore. Okay. So let's move him, do like half in the back, half in the front and see what happens. And so that's what we're doing this year. And we're just trying to, I'm just supervising that role. I kind of was the shop foreman. I'm trying to step out of being the shop foreman, give him that job and give him more jobs of mine. That way I can just... You're the shop foreman. Unbelievable. I cannot believe that. You're still working deep in it, huh? I never really got into like turning wrenches, but like if there's like a car problem in the shop, then I'm right there watching it the entire time. You know, it's like, did we duplicate the case? Like you got to start over from the basics. Did we duplicate the customer's concern? Did we update the customer with what we've done already? But, you know, all those things, they get lost sometimes because everybody's going down a rabbit hole in the shop, the service rider, the mechanic, all included. And I'm talking about like problematic stuff, right? So it's like, okay, let's just bring it back. What have we done? Okay, let's figure this out and keep on moving. Well, why you're so darn successful is probably because you keep the customer engaged. What a great rule for, you know, exceptional customer service. Thank you for this great discussion. Can we take a look at the shop now? Absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. Give us your narration here, man. Yeah, yeah. So this building was built by my dad in 88. We moved two blocks up the street. And so this is our our little car wash thing. So we do a waterless car wash on every car that comes in. And then this is just kind of like the way to the front door there, like uh, where the the customer entrance right here. And then right here, here's our service advisors and our front counter area. I've got two full service riders and the half foreman over there. And then I'm over there in the back. There's our license plate frame deal. We put as many license plate frames on as we can. That's our awesome coffee machine. Uh, Coffee is very important. And that's an awesome machine. It grinds it and brews it right there. All the staff can drink it. All the customers can drink it. It's a good machine. And then this right here is our showroom. I'm a Porsche 911 guy. Uh, I I love Porsches. We got one of these AED machines. Let's go back to that showroom when you say you were a Porsche guy. Are you saying that those are your cars just on display in there? The two that we're looking at is right in the front, the Cassis and the Guards Red. The Cassis Red and the Guards Red are both mine. Those are 87s. The other one is actually, we're just waiting. It's in for service. It needs a time chain tensioner problem. I just need to, I need to stop what we're doing 
you know, I need to stop a bunch of brake jobs to do a timing chain tension around a 911. A bunch of shop owners are going to laugh at me. And it's just like, man, I, I, at some point, it's going to be filler work, that red 911 in the upper left there. If anyone has the luxury of having this much room, what an incredible idea to just display uh, these classic cars. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And then that's my Grand National that I got, that black one, kind of like totally out of, you know, it's out of the Euro realm. But I, I love that. I just love the look of that car. So I was going to electrify it. I was going to put a Tesla motor in it, but we'll see what we do now. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. You also saw a bunch of surfboards in there. We're Surf Town. We're Surf Town USA. Uh, so that's why you see a bunch of surfboards hanging up in that showroom. Do interstate batteries. That's our, that's our main battery that we install. That's the old battery rack. And then there's the new battery rack that you just looked at. This is the customer waiting room. We have like, you know, the table, we have that belly bar table, and then there's also a couch sitting there. So it can, it can sit like probably eight or nine people, but after about three or four, it gets kind of crowded. Do you still have waiters? Yes. Yeah, we still have waiters. We try to limit it to about one or two a day. We usually plan waiters at 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. and we do two a day and we just try to get them in and out as much as possible. Is that your dad in that picture? Yeah, that's my dad. And that he, he, I put him up there, you know, he just passed away suddenly like uh, about six months ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you. And he's like a major Mercedes guy. I've got like 11 Mercedes I have to deal with. And then this is just kind of like walking back out of the showroom here, right into the parts room. So you can see the parts man has four screens there. So we can check parts on multiple screens. Just this very small selection of parts. We don't stock a lot of parts, lots of oil filters, anything service related. So fluids, any fluid for any car, transfer case differentials included. Everybody always talks about like, how do you charge out for washers and all that? So we do, you know, we put new drain plug seals on every single drain plug that comes in. They're all itemized with part numbers and everything. We know what to order. We know what's low. They go right in those bins. Those are the light bulbs. Same thing. Just organized so the technicians can get that stuff really fast and quick and easy, as fast as you can for the tech. Nico, does your parts person help in the workflow, not only is he probably ordering the parts, being sure that they're there, but is he being sure that each technician is supported through some kind of organized shelving or, or bin boxes? So we don't have a bin box for technicians. What we When parts come in, his job is to take those parts and deliver them straight out to the tech. Uh, from there, right after that, he takes the ticket, he inputs it, in, he enters it in the system, and then goes and puts it right on the ticket. That way... And there's RO numbers and tech names. So if he didn't order it or if he did order it two days ago and he doesn't know who it goes to, there's an invoice number that it goes onto the car and then the technician's name right after that in the PO. So that way we know exactly where the part needs to go. He knows exactly where the part needs to go. Um, and then, you know, battery jump boxes and battery chargers. That's a that's an interesting battery charger. That's a 19-foot-long cable uh, battery charger, which is, makes it really easy instead of having to plug extension cords in all over the place. Uh, I have two of those. I actually have just got a third one. I'll probably get... The goal is to have every single technician with one of those chart with one of those programmer chargers with a 19 foot cord. We have tons of 
programmer chargers, but it always seems when you have to do the extension cord thing, it's always just a pain. Or go looking for the charger. Exactly. So I want to hang one on each technician's wall area. Each technician has a, a pad and also a PC. So they can take pictures, load them onto the RO, and then they can go put notes on from the PC. Those are all just like special tools like ISTA, like the ISTA cart, the PWIS cart, the Mercedes uh, Zentry, and we just push them over to the car and do quick tests and whatever we need. So you said 17 bays, but it looks like you may have 30 cars in there. We're double stacking them right now. We've got seven, those, there's 17 cars on lifts in there. And then uh, we pull them in behind, like if, like that silver BMW, if that one was in for like a check engine light, and then the other ones are in for services like that I3 we did a brake flush on. We'll just do like on the floor, plug in, start diagnosing, and then use the racks only when we need to. I mean, we're, we have 17 lifts and we're st- still running out of room. So that prompts me to think, can you add to the place or would you have an annex somewhere or shop number two is in the works? We can't add to this place. Uh, we're totally blocked in by businesses completely surrounding all the way around us. There could be like an annex uh, thing. Shop number two, for me trying to go run back and forth between shops right in this area, it's not easy to travel in this area. I could do it, but uh, I've been I've been doing this for a while. My life goals are kind of different now. I don't want to keep on working on cars. I want to pass it off to a foreman and then have him do most of the stuff that I used to do. You haven't figured out how to split yourself in half, have you? No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Is that a new hunter lift? It's a couple years old now, but we did, uh, this is, we did a flush mount. And that is when we do like a 911, you know, a lowered car, it is so easy to put on there. It is so easy. That's key. Those are just some of my dad's old cars. We used to do lots of classic cars. We had to stop doing lots of classic cars because I don't have the guys uh, old enough. The technicians that I have now, they're just not old enough to know enough about classic cars. So our classic car work has really come down. We probably cut 90% of it out. So that's a great point. If I have a classic car and I need to get it repaired and there is less and less people that can do it, that have the kind of legacy individual, right, that you're speaking to, raise your prices, guys. If you have these legacy guys and they're still wanting to work, raise your prices. And so when I do vintage cars, I call in. There's I have two guys that have retired from here who have left their toolboxes here that I call in just like on a per job basis. And the labor rate doubles when that happens because I'm, I'm going to pay these guys really, really well to come in to work on old cars. They know everything about them. They're the only ones that do. Now, what would you use that lathe for? I kind of grew up, that lathe is like my brother. I grew up with that lathe. I've cut lug nuts down. I've made small specialty stuff. I dream of being a machinist. I'm just not one. But man, I would love to be a machinist. I've got, we've got valve grinders and flywheel cutter back there and two engines on stands right now. That's a Land Cruiser engine that, you know, that was a whole thing, but an old flywheel cutter, an old, a mill. This looks just like a friend of mine has a shop just like this, a former technician. And is actually, he's built me a few things on his lathe that I've needed over time. Amazing stuff. Amazing. I can do simple lathe work, but nothing. I can't like build really cool stuff. But, you know, it just takes time. And then there's one of my uh, 911 engine that I had out of a 914.6 that I swapped out and blah, blah, blah. We were the first Bosch shop in the country. 
Bosch is going away. Bosch Car Service is going away this year. Uh, in about 10 days, it'll be gone. I don't know. We've been around for a while. See the little fork thing? We just added that. That's like a full-blown commercial fork, knife, and spoon dispenser. There's not like a big messy tray of like a bunch of forks for that. Like when the guys are at lunch and they're eating their lunch. So you just grab it out just like you're going, just like if you're at a baseball game. We got a dishwasher uh, that works really well and a little napkin dispenser. So I just do like little stuff. The guys really appreciate stuff like that. It's just easy. It's clean. We have the 1234YF and the 134A machine. And then there's just like, a, we've got a bunch of bulk oil. We have bulk oil overhead, and then we also have bulk oil on those roll-around drums. What is the size of the shop? It looks like it's about 20,000 20, square feet. Okay, so the whole shop, including the showroom, is about 16,000. The workshop area is about 10,000. Is it air-conditioned, by the way? No, so we're two blocks from the beach. It's not, there's no AC, there's no heater. It doesn't really get too cold here to run the heater long enough. It doesn't get too hot here. And uh, that was lunch. We do lunch every Friday with the guys. So I have uh, every Friday and we talk about whatever we want. We just kind of, you know, shoot the breeze, talk about what everybody's doing for the weekend and what their favorite thing is. I'm sure your dad continues to look at you from on high and be very proud of the work that you're doing and running this great company that he started. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're just working away. Thank you. I just wish you continued success, Nico. Charlie's uh, foreign car, Encinitas. Encinitas. Encinitas, California. I have trouble with that. Encinitas, 44-year young business, credible business. Uh, thank you for the beginning part of the show as we were talking about so many great things, about being concerned about uh, what's going on uh, in 2023. Appreciate your insights on that. We need to get you back to talk about uh, connected cars someday because that episode that we did a while back was about keeping up with connected cars. And in the four years that we've done that, the world's changed again, Nico. It absolutely has. And we can definitely arrange that. We can definitely arrange that. Yeah, I'd like to talk to you about that. Maybe get uh, Donnie on and uh, Donnie Cipher and, and, and talk about where we're going to be someday, especially the way the laws in California are changing, where now they're going to need a palm print in order to do smog testing. And I think as the rest of the world knows, whatever goes on in California seems to creep everywhere else. Yes. All my smog techs, they all got their palm red at a palm reading facility and now they're going to have to go scan their palm in before they can uh, do a smog. That way the human, they know the human is present at the laptop that the car is being smogged at. They're very concerned with that. Crazy world. We got to talk about that. That's what we do here. Always take the cutting edge trends. Uh, Nico, thank you so much. Uh, have a great holiday and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Yes, you too. Thank you, Carm. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.